Welcome again to the SEM podcast. Jack and Zach are back again tonight, and we are so privileged to have with us the legend that is the famous Blake Farnsworth. Blake, how are you, brother? I appreciate that. Uh, I'm doing really good. Thanks for being uh, so persistent and patient with with getting me on. So, Oh, you know I wasn't going to let you slip through the cracks. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh-huh. I wouldn't expect anything less. I love it. What part of the world are you calling from tonight, Blake? Uh, I'm in Cottonwood Heights, Utah. Um, I'm in the home ward of uh, the home area of Richard McConkie. So he he uh, he used to be. This was his home ward growing up that I live in now. So that's amazing. He did mention that that uh, that you were his at at the at that point in time when we spoke to him that you were the bishop to his parents and that i'm sure that was a little surreal for him but uh nonetheless well you've listened to the podcast we'll talk about what life was like leading up to the mission and your reaction to scotland then we'll go over the mission we'll talk about life since you've been home and then we'll go back through the mission and reminisce so cool you're up blake cool well it, you know, I, I'm one of those guys who I always plan to, to go on a mission. I have one older brother that, that served, uh, before me and I saw what it did to him just as an individual, just the way he carried himself. And quite selfishly, I wanted that for me. Like I wanted to, to see that. And, um, I think change came, but that's what got me out is I, I just, I just wanted to, um, to have that change in my life. And so I was at, I was going to BYU at the time and the time came where I needed to start working on it. And <laughs> I, uh, I didn't want to put in my papers at BYU because everybody was going to Mexico or, or South America or something like that. So I'm like, I, I'm from New Mexico. So I'm like, ah, oh, I, I'd, I'd go for, so I'd like to do, you know, I'm going to try to see if going home and doing it would be different. That that's probably kind of vain. Um, not at all. I, not at all. <laughs> it was, it was the moment like the English missionaries where you're like, I don't know if I want to go to Scotland based upon proximity. Right. That's exactly it. I get it. So I didn't uh, want to go to Idaho. I can tell you that. Yeah. There you go. Same story. <laughs> So I went home for Christmas and, uh, I met with my Bishop and got everything ready to go. And, um, he sent him off while I was home for Christmas. And, uh, shortly thereafter, I think it was like January of, uh, 2004, I got my call and leading up to that, I had just been, I don't know if everybody does this, but I, I had been asking to know wherever I was being asked to serve that I would know that it was right. And, um, when I opened the call, it, you know, you got the goosebumps and the chills. And back then it, I, I was just at a missionary reading his call last night and they make you work for it. Now, do you realize, like now the, the call is at the very bottom. Oh, really? Yeah. So you don't get to where you're going until the very bottom of the call now. Um, I didn't know that. So for us, yeah, it was like the first line and I, you know, I, I cheated and I glanced over and I saw it and obviously we all said it wrong. Um, but it just came over me that, that, that is where I needed to go. And, and that that call was from not, it wasn't from, uh, it was just confirmed to me that that's where I needed to go. And I felt really strongly about that. So I left, um, April 27th, I think of 2004 
Um, like I said, I'm from New Mexico. I think most people know that. Uh, a small town named Kirtland. So we don't even have an airport where I live. So I, I had to drive over to, to Farmington. It's, it's just a small regional airport. Man, and I was... I was so naive. I didn't know there were late weight limits on your luggage. Like I, I guys, I had never flown on an airplane. I was like, just going to ask you that. I was just going to yeah. ask if it was your first flight. Cause I mean, the closest airport was three hours away. Um, so when we went places, we always just drove. So first time on an airplane, my, my bag it, guys, it was a disaster from the beginning. Um, my bag was overweight. Luckily, the lady felt super sad for me, and she just let me go. She didn't even make me pay a fine or fee. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and so I flew from Farmington. And I went down to Phoenix, and I saw the very dry, desolate landscape between Farmington, New Mexico, and Phoenix. And uh, I didn't know it was in store for me uh, when I got to to Preston and then to Scotland. Um, but then I, I got to Phoenix and like I said, I'd never been on an airplane and I had to change terminals. I didn't know what a terminal was. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so I get to Phoenix and I'm just walking up and down where all the doors and the jetways were. And I had no idea. Luckily I had an uncle who moved to Phoenix, uh, about a year earlier and he knew I was coming in and and I, after a few, probably like 30 minutes of just wandering, not knowing what to do, uh, I saw him like flagging me down. And so, uh, he got me to the right place. Um, I didn't check my luggage all the way through. So my luggage got lost like right away. I was supposed to pick it up after that first, first flight from my hometown. And I totally didn't. Oh, my so, man. um, my luggage got left behind, which, you know, whatever, uh, but then I met up, I, I was able to get to the, the other terminal and, and the other, there was a, a good significant amount of missionaries in, uh, in that where I was supposed to be. So at that point I was just the sheep and I just followed everybody else and, and it was okay. Um, then for Phoenix, we went to Chicago and Chicago is where, um, I met a lot of the guys who were going to Scotland and I, I sat, I can't remember if it was behind or in front of, uh, Brian Bear. And we just we just hit it off from the beginning. He's man, what a stud! Um, and we we've stayed in touch to this day. I talked to him a few weeks ago, and that's been just a friendship that that we've had since that moment. Um, so that was really cool. Um, yeah, and so anyway, got going there. I'm totally skipping ahead. So no, you're fine. You're up. <laughs> no, you're doing great. So, so take us take us now to April of '06. When you got yeah. home from your mission and what have you been up to since that point in time? Yeah. So when I finished, uh, my mom and dad came over and, and picked me up. And so I, I stayed an extra week and, and we toured around and went to all the, and met all the people that, uh, you know, that got to know over the couple of years. And, uh, it was a really cool experience. Like it was really neat, uh, to be able to do that and show my mom and dad, uh, this place that meant so much to me. So, um, Got home and had to kind of find my feet like everybody. I, I worked at home for the summer and uh, did construction with my dad. And come fall time, I, I went back to BYU and started doing school. And I thought that I was going to be a pharmacist. I told everybody in Scotland that I was going to be a legalized drug dealer. And 
Um, <laughs> I got that first semester in school and man, uh, chemistry just is not my thing. And apparently chemistry is a big deal if you want to be a pharmacist. So I was lost. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, so I took a couple of classes and uh, ended up going through the business management program and graduated in 2010 uh, from BYU. Um, you know, it was cool, though, through that whole thing. I, I, I was able to drop in on President Vreen's every once in a while. Uh, I went up to to Salt Lake. I just needed to get out of Provo for a little while. And and I dropped in on him and he would always make time for me. Uh, it didn't matter. Now I I'm in I own a business now. And and I realized that that probably was very inconvenient for him. But he never made it feel like that. So he would take me across the street and we'd get a burger and talk or he'd just sit and talk to me in his office. And I'd tell him about school and how it was going and. Man, just super great. And so graduated in 2010. I started my professional career uh, in the freight and logistics industry. And so I worked for a freight brokerage for uh, about five years out of college when I when I finished up. And um, and during that time, I, I met my wife. I was roommates with with someone and one of my roommates went on a date with her. And it didn't work out for that guy, but it we did. I we we actually hit it off while she was there, and we were chatting, and and we ended up uh, dating for a while, and uh, we got married in 2012, and uh, yeah, now we have we have two kids. One is four, and uh, his name's Jack, Mr. Bryce. <laughs> so good, good name, good name, good good positive name. Uh, he's Jack, and then I have uh, a two year old Emma, and we're expecting our third in about three weeks. So oh my uh, we're just, we're just a young family. Yeah. Just, just kind of, we did yeah, catch you at the right time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you did. <laughs> I think that's another reason why they merged wards and you got released. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it, it came at a good time. So it was, it was do you good. know what the gender is? Uh, yeah, a girl. So a girl. we'll have a boy and two girls. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But I got to tell one story before I go, when I go into the mission, I mentioned the friendship that, and this is just one example, but probably about a month, month and a half ago, um, my dad, he, he is a, or was an over the road truck driver. Um, he was in Indiana and he was just cruising down the road and out of nowhere, uh, all of his tires just locked up. And this, I mean, this is a big semi truck, right? It's 18 wheels. It's going down 70 miles an hour down the freeway and his, his wheels lock up. He said something happened with his, his air or his brakes or something. And, um, he comes to a skidding halt and, um, he gets out, notices that one of his wheels is on fire, gets his fire extinguisher and tries to put this fire out and was totally unsuccessful. His, his can ran out of, of stuff and, and the truck ended up going up in complete flames. Um, the thing burned to the ground. It was it was kind of scary. I, I, my mom and my brother called me right afterwards, and, and it was scary. And through all of this, I was like, "Where, where did, where did this happen?" And it was thirty minutes away from Brian Bear's house. And so I, I was like, "Give me a minute. Like, let me see if I can help on this." And so I text Brian, and he's like, "Dude, I'm so sorry. Like, do you need me to go get him?" It was just so amazing that 
this relationship that we had gained 20 years ago, I could text them at a drop of a hat and say, Hey man, my dad's in a tight, a tight spot right now. Um, is there anything you can do? He was willing to take him a toothbrush and toothpaste and come let him sleep in his basement for the night and get him to the airport the next day. It's just the feeling for what we all went through, whether we're, you know, whether the gospel is a part of our life or not anymore. I'm just so grateful. And I, and I said to Brian, I said, man, I, I hope that if anything ever were to happen to you or your family, that you'd feel comfortable calling me. And so the invitation, I mean, I know everybody has access to this and will listen to that, but we have something special. There's a bond as missionaries that we've got that cannot be formed any other way. And and I was just really grateful. I, it was nice to be the benefactor of that. So man, that's that amazing. was a post-mission cool, cool thing that happened. Yeah. It is great. I'm going to say the next time I'm in Utah, we're going to get together because my parents, I kid you not, Blake, live at the dead end of Highland Drive on 9800 South in Sandy. So we're getting not together. Not far at all. No, no they're not far at all. Exactly. Oh, man. Great story. And I'm not surprised. Brian Bear would do that for anybody. But uh, he's just that good of a man. He's He's been uh, a big listener of this. And I know he's listening to this episode. And uh, he's he's looking forward to hearing from you just as much. So let's get back to you. You can start the MTC and uh, kind of go through your experience there. Talk about companions, areas, any of your fond memories throughout. Yep. Well, well, I mentioned I almost didn't make it. That was uh, that was a close a close call for me, and it it was actually a tender thing. Um, and not that this is really a mission related thing, but my uncle Bay, my his name was Uncle Bay. Um, he he's the one who got me to the right terminal and and made sure I got on the plane. Uh, that was the last time I saw him. Um, he wow. died about a year and a half later uh, from leukemia, and um, I've just been so grateful. Like, I, I don't know. I'm sure I would have made it there eventually, but I don't know how I would have made it there. And so there's just, uh, that was kind of a cool thing. I don't know. Just, I was able to see him one last time uh, before that happened. Yeah. So yeah, got on the plane from Chicago to, to Manchester. Uh, they lost my luggage. Luckily I had a suit that I was already wearing and uh, some clothes to, to get me through the next couple of days while they, while they found it and got it over to me. Uh, my MTC companion was uh, Kate Schmidt and uh, just a great guy. Uh, I was in a group of um, of great, great elders. Kate Schmidt was there, Brian Bear, um, Oliver Kellogg. I should have looked at all the names before I did this, and I'm going to miss somebody. Um, Erickson, yeah, Wood. Yeah, yes, exactly. So um, just great. I had a great MTC experience, was totally ready to get out of there by the time it was over. I don't know how people do foreign languages because two and a half weeks was about all I could handle. So um was grateful to to be done. Uh I will say I was the guy who got to go get the van with with the MTC uh presidency member, and I'd never driven on the other side of the road, and that that about did me in. That was that was a little scary at first. So um this is in the MTC. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we got all the elders got there and, um, he asked me to go get the van with him to, to come pick up all the elders from the airport. 
So, okay. Um, so first I went to the wrong side of the door and, and all of that. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> you, know, you, so you drove. Stuff. I did. Well, I tried. Yeah. Well, I could have, but he, he made me, he made me get over. So. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, so yeah, finished the MTC and uh, like we all did, we took the train up up to Edinburgh and uh, the APs at the time when I got there were Kevin Nelson and Alec Gilmore. And and Jack, I know you share a thing with Alec and um, being from Arizona and, and I felt that too because uh, from the four corners in New Mexico, I'm pretty sure Elder Gilmore's from, was it Kayenta? Yeah, he lived closer to you than to me. Oh yeah, so we I went to Kenta several times to play sports in high school, and so just that familiar, you know, just being familiar with with this guy and where we had something in common was super was super calming to me. Um, so my first area after the MTC, you know, my trainer was Christopher Peterson. Um, Chris was uh, seven feet tall <laughs> and a giant, and just freaking awesome i love that guy um he everyone we passed wanted to talk to him because they'd never seen someone that tall so talking to people was not really a problem (laughs) at the at the time um we were really lucky we i think we came into airdrie on the hills of uh joseph bautista and roman bredlow i think okay Uh, and they had prepared someone who was ready to be baptized. I think we had we we had a baptism my first within my first month, but probably my first two weeks. Wow! And that's, so that's a rarity. This missionary thing ain't so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so it it was great. It was a good you know a good experience for me. I was looking back through some old pictures, and and we were really close with um, uh, I think it was the Hamilton elders, Elder uh, Rolo and Elder Malloy. And I've got a picture of Elder Malloy ripping a phone book in half. Like the guy is just amazing. He's just, he's just, man, so strong. I was like, wow. So uh, I was with Elder, uh, well, I was in Airdrie for three months. I was at uh, Elder Peterson for six weeks. So, oh, wow. Uh, not a long time. So my next, my next companion was Caleb Sprague. And we were together for six weeks. And, you know, he was pretty about new it, too. Yeah. Caleb and I didn't get along great. It, it's you're he was having too much fun. <laughs> I was probably not having enough fun. That's probably what the problem was. I will say Air, the Airdrie ward was having a, a Highland game and we were invited. And uh, I will say I almost won the caber toss, but I can't even remember his name, but he was like, it's like 75 years old. This old, old guy came and he chucked the caber and beat me by like a little bit. And I was just so bummed because I was going to win that thing. Um, <laughs> but oh man, we, they were, they had a water slide afterwards. And as I said, Elder Sprague, I don't know if the feeling was mutual with him. It was tough. And, and it was probably, it was on me because I, I was in that new missionary mode. Hey, got to you know, work 1800 hours a day and just, you know, I was trying to fill Peterson's shoes, man. That's exactly it. I had big shoes to fill. And, um, (laughs) but they had a water slide at this, this Highland games and me and elder Sprague, we freaking rocked that in our suits. We went down that water slide. (laughs) 
Yeah, it was so awesome. I'm so glad that we did that because it was uh, it was fun. <laughs> so, um, but Airdrie was great. I I made so many long term friends there. Um, the Doherty's are are just Airdrie solids, and they were you know good friends to me throughout my mission. Um, for those who ever got to meet Jesse Cotter, like she. She was just the funniest old lady that you'll ever see. I went back and saw her with my parents and she would play a ukulele and sing. And so my parents got to witness Jesse and, and singing. And she's this old Scottish lady with really short, curly white hair and missing teeth and just the heart of gold. Like that lady is just, she, when she died, she went, she, yeah, she, I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure she joined the church, but I, uh, I just loved her so much. So it was a great description of elderly <laughs> people in Scotland right there, Blake. <laughs> oh man. And she would be, she'd always be like, would you want a biscuit? You want a biscuit? And like every time we went over, she's like, here, have all my food. And at the time she was not a member, uh, but she wow. was so friendly and just the epitome of someone who I hope I can be later in life. So. Hmm. Love it. So from Airdrie, I went, uh, I went to Dundee, um, the Bingham Terrace ward. I was there for three months with, uh, Zach Brown and Zach was, I loved it. Absolutely loved Zach Brown. Um, he taught me that it's okay to have fun and that it is okay to work hard, but also to play hard. And we did both of those things. He taught, he, he introduced me to fudgy donuts, which I went, my wife and I went back to Scotland in 2016. And I said, I don't care what we do, but we are getting a fudgy donut. <laughs> so We went like <laughs> probably an hour and a half out of our way to go get a fudgy donut. So, um, I'll is, forever. is that that donut shop that's in Dundee? It is. And they've got one down in, I think Cooper. And so it, okay. uh, we went to the one, one South. We didn't get to Dundee, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's that, yeah, the fudgy donuts. So that's amazing. Um, we, man, we had so much fun there. I remember playing, we'd play football on the beach at St. Andrews and I had no idea what St. Andrews even was. Um, but now I have such an appreciation for, you know, that and the, the opportunity we had to go and do that. But yeah, Dundee, great place. Uh, it's, it's cool to see, uh, you know, on Facebook and other places on social media, I, I know Rory Grant was the Bishop there for a little while and is living there and just, man, so cool to see that people are still there that, um, that, uh, that I know. So as we're speaking right now, we talked to Rory this afternoon. Oh, so, sweet. <laughs> so we got to connect with him and you'll hear his episode before yours. Oh. Cool. Sweet. Well, that's, that's awesome. It's good to see. Um, yeah, so from Dundee, I, I went way, way south. I went down to Dumfries and uh, was just on the border for, I was only there for six weeks with, uh, Craig Stratton and we, we worked really hard together. Um, we, um, we whitewashed in and it was kind of a, it was, yeah, it was just whitewashing's hard. It, so we did a lot of work. We did a lot of chapping. We did a lot of GQing. Um, we did have, uh, some success there. We, we baptized a girl named Melissa Craig and she, um, was, it was a really cool experience, but I wasn't there very long to, to, 
to do much else. So do you have contact uh, with Craig still? Uh, I haven't, no, I haven't talked to, I haven't talked to him for a long time. It's my MTC companion. I haven't been oh, able to reach him either. So, okay, cool. It's on yeah, the list. I, I haven't seen him. So hopefully good luck. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear from him and see how he's doing. Where's um, Craig from originally? Uh, he's from Reno. So Reno, Reno, Nevada. Yep. We'll track him down. Okay. Yeah. You guys are great. You <laughs> Not only are you podcasters, you're like private detectives and <laughs> investigators. <laughs> You're not supposed to say that on the podcast, Blake. <laughs> yeah, so everybody else needs to watch out. The, be- yeah. the best the best, moment is when you call someone out of the blue and they answer and say, who is this? And then you get to <laughs> get to say, oh, I knew you at a different time in life. Yeah. We, we recently tracked down Cage Schmidt, so we're international now. Cool. And yeah, man. Watch out. You're not safe. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Not at all. Oh, oh man. man. So from Dumfries, I, I went up to the outskirts of Edinburgh and was in Dalkeith. Uh, I was only there for six weeks, but I was there with Trevin Hout. And um, Trevin Hout and I, he's another one. Man, we're soul brothers. Like he, he, just, he just spoke my language. He was pretty new in the mission. Uh, we were together over, over Christmas. And so that was our first, both of our first Christmases away from home. And um, man, I just had a great time with him. He, he and I, we, um, there was a broken bed or a bed that wasn't put together. And we thought, Hey, we can do something with this. So, um, we decided to like make art and we painted on it and we made things that say the wetter, the better and stuff like that. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So we, we painted this, this bed. And so I don't know whatever came of it, but, uh, but Trevin and I were actually roommates after our mission. We we uh, we got together. He came to BYU and and we were roommates. And I stayed pretty close with him and his family until they moved. Um, I think they're back on the East Coast right now. So hmm. um, cool. Yeah, six weeks. We we were able to baptize Joyce Morris there, and Joyce was a long is a longtime friend of mine. Um. So yeah, it was it was another great great area there in Dalkeith. Um. But just short, just I had a couple of short, short stints in a few places. So uh, then I moved on to Perth and was with uh, Brian Barber there in Perth and was there for four and a half months with him. And uh, he I trained Brian and 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 say I, 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 was, I knew you trained him. I was like, but I couldn't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So I was his trainer and we were still like I said, we're you know, we're still pretty good friends and, and we stay in touch. I talked to him uh, not too long ago, but I think by the end of it, we were ready for a split. Like we were ready for some change. And so it, it happens four and a half months is a long time with living with someone for, for one, you know, one go. And, um, Richard McConkie covered Perth rather well. He was there right after I was. And when I started going there, we were having church at a school and, there were man if we got 20 we'd be lucky on on a sunday and so it was just a small a small little branch um but i had a i had a pretty cool experience with uh president watford watford was the branch president when i was there and he does have an amazing or did have an amazing home it was uh just north of perth on this lake and or lock and he had us up for dinner and 
Um, but anyway, we spend a lot of time with President Watford and uh, we were with him one day. I think Elder Barber told the story, but he he got off the phone and he 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 said, you know, in Scotland, hell and damn aren't really bad words. So that was kind of the first time I heard a branch president yell out damn while we were on uh, on exchanges with him. <laughs> so (laughs) that's right up barber's alley though oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) i love you brian so anyway it was it was pretty good i had i have so many great memories of perth and and it was it was a great a great place to be so probably missing a lot like i uh, 20 years man it's a long time and so this is Hopefully. your this is your truth, Blake. You tell it how you want to tell it. We're not we're not telling you what you need to be doing differently. Come on. Yeah. Carry on. Well, You're doing great. Yep. Um, you know what? Yeah. So from there I, I, I went over to Kilmarnock, another short area. I was only there for six weeks. Uh with Elder Jonathan Morgan. Uh he's a Brit. And you couldn't put two different people together. Like we were we were so different from each other, but we got along really good. Like at least that was my perspective. I felt like we got along really well and uh, we worked hard and, and, and did the things that we needed to do. And, um, and yeah, it, yeah, he was great and had a great, great experience there. There's a lot of good families there in in Kilmarnock. So, um, so from Kilmarnock, I went over to Glasgow and was his own leader in Glasgow was there for six weeks. No, not six weeks, six months. Um, my first companion was Elder Dracocardos. He, I was only with him for six weeks. And I thought I knew what missionary work was up to that point. And then I mailed Elder Dracocardos. And he told me that we didn't take lunch breaks. I was like, what? We don't eat lunch? He's like, no. <laughs> We ate one meal a day. Well, we ate breakfast and then we would come back for like a, a two o'clock or three o'clock lunch or early dinner. And then we'd go out again and we'd be gone the rest of the night. And so he, he taught me what true missionary work was in the big city of Glasgow. Um, and I, I appreciated that. It was again, a short, a short companionship and a short term with him. Um, but he was a great guy and was really grateful to to serve with him. Uh, after Peter, I, uh, I went to Stephen Webb. He came over and, and was in Glasgow with me for six weeks. And Stephen Webb was a rock star. When you were talking about the Brown though, I, um, he was talking about other Webb and anyway, yeah, he, he's just a great, a great missionary and a great person. Um, one of my, one of the fun experiences I had with him we uh, got to go with the Dumbarton elders up to Oban. And if you've never been to Oban, like that place is pretty incredible. They have a branch up there. And so they were teaching someone up in Oban that we needed to, um, that we wanted to go up and meet because she was getting close to, I think, being baptized. And so uh, we went up to Oban and, and that was just, wow, eye opening. And you got to, man, coming from New Mexico, I don't know if anybody's been to New Mexico. <laughs> it's not the prettiest place. And so when this whole, my whole experience was just a fairy tale. It was traveling through this country that doesn't know Brown and it was just beautiful. So going to Oban was kind of my first 
experience up to the highlands and and to seeing that that part of the country so hmm. it was good uh we also taught uh, david mcwilliams he he was was uh learning about the church when we were there and uh, a lot of other missionaries had taught him elder rollo elder bradley dracocardos webb and me and there may be others uh who knew him but he was just one of those guys that was taking his time uh learning about the church his wife was a member and his whole uh, extended family were members and, and he ended up getting baptized and, um, Peter was done with his mission by then, but he came back and, um, and was at the baptism. And, um, that was a really cool experience. David, David actually, uh, he contacted me a few years ago and was going to be in Utah and we got to meet up and, uh, it's funny. He, he said, now if you're wondering, I'm still active. It's okay. <laughs> and so he had moved from, he moved from, uh, from Scotland to Australia and just had, was just kind of traveling the world. So it was cool to, wow. cool to see him after many years. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that was my time in Glasgow with, with Stephen Webb. Uh, then I got, I got Brian bear, uh, as my companion in Glasgow for three months. And, uh, man, talk about cool. Like it, it was cool to, to be with an old friend and to be, uh, just doing what we loved and to be being missionaries and to work hard and to, to try our very best to, you know, do what Heavenly Father wanted us to do. Um, and I heard there was an alleged story of cutting Christmas trees down with a bread knife and, oh, uh, no. I can't confirm or deny <laughs> <laughs> if that actually happened or not just tell us the story blake come on <laughs> i man i i uh <clears throat> so yeah um whose idea really, was it it was probably mine yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> but it was getting close to christmas and we're like man we want to make our apartment feel or our flat feel like you know some christmas cheer and we lived in a pretty nice little place and there were some there weren't even pine trees they were like they weren't even pine trees, but they look like them. So one dark night we went out and uh, we said, let's top this tree. So pretty sure Brian pulled it down because I had to cut it. Not a bread knife from the flat. And I just started going at it. <laughs> and, oh my God. Uh, man. and uh, yeah, we pulled that thing in and, and we decorated it real nice. So um Anyway, that's what I've been told. That's that was the story. Anyway, <laughs> bread knife. Man. I'm a witness to that tree because I came in after you, and I was like, "Where'd you guys get that?" And Brian was like, "I'm not telling you." <laughs> <laughs> Told you I have to kill you. <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> Goodness, it's too Man. funny. Yeah, it was that was something. Um, you know we. We had some good times. Uh, we did paintballing in the woods. Were you there for that, Zach? When we did paintballing? Okay. I thought no, we I wouldn't have survived. I can tell yeah, you. Yeah, we just we went to like the grocery store or some store and got like five pound little paintball guns, and we rode the train towards Dumbarton, and we just picked some random stop that had some trees and like foresty looking stuff, and we got out and we had like a a big old paintball fight with probably 20 of us there were probably 20 missionaries there who who did that so i remember uh, hearing about it but i yeah <laughs> geez that's crazy it was man it was super fun we we tried to have fun we tried to have fun with everyone and and do some good stuff um 
probably the highlight of my Glasgow time was we were out and we were just visiting some less active members of the Spring Boyd Ward. It's the smaller ward and or it's really wasn't even a ward. It was more like a branch, but uh, in Glasgow. And we met the Deacon family and um, they were had been less active for a lot of t- a lot of years. But we, we arrived at kind of an interesting time. Uh, Sarah Deacon had a sister who had been battling cancer and um, had gotten clear of cancer for a little while, but then had just gotten news like that day or that week that the cancer had come back and was just really in the dumps. She, she told us, Sarah Deacon told us that um, she had been praying that day for some sort of, not a sign, but just some kind of help. And so that night, she drove us over and her sister lived a few blocks away and, um, and we started teaching the Denmark family and, uh, the Denmark family, um, decided after a while to, that it was something that they wanted. And, and that was an answer to Tina's prayer. And, and they were just awesome. It was like such a cool experience to see a family join the church in Scotland together. Cause it was so rare to have that, um, and it was nothing that Brian and I did. It was just being somewhere and an experience happened for, for Tina. And, and we just happened to be there at the right time. And so um, super cool experience uh, to be, to be a part of that. And I know Zach, you met the Denmarks too, didn't you? I did. They were wonderful people. I was so excited for them because I think I'd come in like just after they had gotten baptized and confirmed and they were just, so on fire like i remember walking in the door with brian and obviously i'm not blake blake farnsworth but man it, there was just so much love and spirit in that house that yeah you know you couldn't you couldn't really describe it at least i hadn't felt that to that point in my mission yet with investigators or newly converted people and it was it was pretty amazing yeah yeah they were something i i got to introduce my parents to them when when they came over and man it was just so cool to see and again these bonds that we created while being over there that long ago was just it's just amazing yeah, so agreed. i love glasgow um i took when my wife and i went back in 2016 it was a different experience glasgow is the the area that we didn't really want to be well she <laughs> we i was like no we got to go to glasgow center street and so we went uh, our last day and um we uh <laughs> we came upon a crime scene in the middle of the, in the middle of the city center and so she googled real quick what had happened and there was a stabbing 20 minutes before we walked by and then she, she got the full experience <laughs> yeah. she's like hey this is what's going on i remember uh uh let me think who it was i can't remember um i took oh why is the name blanking me martin uh Alistair Martin, when I took him in a gla- in the, one of the high rises in Glasgow, and he's like, "Dude, Farnsworth, you're freaking nuts! What are we doing here?" I'm like, "Bro, we're missionaries. We're good. Like, we're okay." But going back those many years later, I'm like, "Oh man, we were we probably went to some places that weren't very smart." <laughs> so, just another testimony that we were looked out for while we were there, because. Man, we probably went to some sketchy places, but I, I absolutely love Glasgow. Glasgow was, uh, I loved it. I loved that we only ate one meal a day or two meals a day and 
and we worked hard there. I, I think that anybody who probably visited us there knew that that we didn't eat very often. So anyway, <laughs> um, then from there, I, I, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> from there, uh, went to Edinburgh and, uh, was an assistant with president Breen's and, and Thomas Brownlow. Uh, so I was with Tom for, for three months and, uh, the car accident story has been told and I can confirm all of that that was nuts when we were, we were going to dinner. I think it was a dinner appointment on a Sunday night. Cause really Tom and I weren't ever in um, Edinburgh very much. We were always gone. And so really we were there on Sundays. And so we were going over to a dinner appointment and he was turning, you know, I think it was to the right, right, left. Yeah. And got sideswiped. And I don't know how we weren't T-boned, but um that was that was a pretty incredible experience to be with and um i did learn the tradition of telling new missionaries the the many false traditions and false things that uh, you know the, the the stories that are just made up <laughs> and over here is where they filmed harry potter and over here is where they did this it was just you know you try to come up with as much of a crazy story as you can for these new, these new missionaries. And hopefully they forgave us for that. But, um, <laughs> Hey, if you listen to Travis Trotier's, uh, episode that came out as we're speaking on Friday last, he just raved about how you were a legend to him at, at that point in the mission, despite whatever your, <laughs> your, uh, your shortcomings may have been telling him false falsehoods in regards to what was happening in Edinburgh. Man, <clears throat> we did. It was bad. <laughs> oh, and over here is where we're going to be building the temple when uh, when that happens. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I have to say real quick, too, in regards to the car crash. So when Sister Kenny told the story initially, we found out that Sister Cooper was her companion. And but again, she couldn't remember. But like we've now talked to all four of you that were in the car. Yeah. And I have to say, what a miracle yeah. that, that 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 is that we got to we get to speak to you now. Yeah. In yeah. you know, in retrospect of that, like I I can't even imagine what. I, I every time I picture it, I can see the hand of God literally being in the middle. There's no there's no other semblance of what happened there apart from that yeah. being the case. It was it was crazy. Um, and I think we all felt that it was, we all walked away for one. We just all walked. We were able to drive to our dinner appointment. The car was still drivable and, um, we didn't have, to, nobody got hurt. So yeah. Amazing. Just crazy. Uh, uh, just I, an unbelievable miracle. High rise flats, car accidents, man. <laughs> it's just crazy. It um, goodness. You know, and I think that it's been said that we didn't really, we didn't spend a lot of time in Edinburgh. So other than the mission home, we didn't really get a lot of relationships with the, with the ward there, but I really came to love, um, traveling around and, and not having a home, kind of just being on the road. We would go, we'd go a week at a time without coming back to the mission home. And I really... <laughs> For one, I really got to love sleeping on the floor like that. And I don't even joke. Like, it's crazy. Like, when my parents came <laughs> over, 
I slept on the floor in the same room with them. And they're like, are you sure? I'm like, oh, no, I'm good. Like, I love the floor. My back feels great. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. <laughs> the floor is preferential to some of those mattresses that were in the flats there. Definitely. Um, That's true. But just, man, just it was so cool to to be able to get to so know so many of the missionaries that otherwise I wouldn't have ever got to know. And, and that was really neat. We did have, I mean, there, we have a few and we have a few of those experiences in the mission home that, that will be forever known. And, and I don't know if this one's been shared uh, the night that the mission home got broken into. Did anybody, has anybody shared this? Huh. Mr. Vrain's story of it. We've heard. <laughs> so yeah, that and, uh, Sister Reed shared her experience because I think the senior sisters were there that were there. night. Yeah, yeah. all the senior missionaries were there that night. So, man, that was crazy. Uh, we were asleep, and I'm pretty sure it was with with uh, Elder Brownlow that we were there. And uh, President comes, shakes him and I awake, and like elders, elders, the someone broke in, and we get up and we look out the window. You know that window, uh, not in the mission home, but in the, the where we lived. Um, sister Vreens is chasing the lady or chasing whoever broke in out the front gates of the mission home, you know, like full on sprint. And oh just, wow, this lady is fearless. And, uh, so we knew, we actually knew that the guy came into our flat, like he, whoever he, she, I don't know. Um, because they stole my white handbook and my missionary tag. They didn't touch my wallet. My wallet was sitting right there with it. And they took my white handbook, you know, your missionary handbook and, and my missionary tag. I'm like, what in the world? Like, who who is this person? And so we called the cops and they came and took all of our statements. And anyway, that was that was a crazy night in the mission home. Uh, that was that was, was Sister, Sister Reed said it was a true miracle that you and, and Tom slept through it. Yeah. Because can you, can you imagine? He broke the window. He broke a window to get in. I, I'm pretty sure. Really? Wow. I'm pretty sure he broke a window or maybe it was open. It may have been open, but down where like Elder Lemon used to work in the, the financial, yeah. uh, that financial office. So um, the, the mind gets a little fuzzy after that long, but it was. And and that we anyone was even there because we were never there. But right. I guess Sister Vreens was there to, to chase the guy off. So. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was a little crazy. Her recollection of that was pretty pretty funny. If you've, I'm sure you've watched it, but my goodness, like <laughs> thinking about them cornering this person in the in the kitchen, and the person <laughs> ran through Sister Rita. <laughs> it was too, too funny. Oh goodness. Oh man. So it it was hard to. I mean, I you know I Elder Brown went home after that, and it was hard to see him go. Like he he taught me everything we needed to do as, as assistants. And I should back up one thing when I got in with, with president Vreens, um, you go in a few days before moves calls when, when you're an assistant just to be part of the whole moves experience. It was two weeks. Yeah. Yep. That was my, two weeks with, that was my two weeks with Brian bear. You came over to Glasgow when I left. Um, that's right. Um, president Vreens sat me down and he said, elder and this was when we were doing moves he said i don't need a yes man like i need you 
to be in touch with the Lord because these are actually real. This is super important. And he said, I don't need a yes man. So if I suggest something and it doesn't feel right, you need to speak up. And and I appreciated that because most of my life in high school, especially, I was kind of a I was a pleaser. I wanted to be liked by everybody. I wanted to just kind of I didn't want to cause waves or rifts or anything like that. I just wanted it to be a very peaceful situation wherever I was. And so I appreciated what I was able to learn um, working with President Brains and and the moves experience um because those were like those were each of us and think about how many episodes you guys have have talked to us about and how important a certain companion was for somebody at some time and so i i have a true testimony that those moves calls were inspired and we tried our very best to to do what what needed to be done and and, and just be instruments to put companionships together so that they could, they could do what they needed to do and, and where they needed to be. So that was a, that was a cool experience that I, I had with President Brains and uh, being in the, the office with him. So uh, after Elder Brown, though, I, I, my last companion for six weeks was Douglas Pullen. And uh, man, I had a great time with, with Doug. Like he, he, he liked to drive fast. Um, <laughs> that little silver bullet car, he liked to go real fast in that car. Um, but it was, it was so good to be with him. And I, I'll, I, man, it was my last six weeks and I tried to stay focused and you know how it goes It you have other things on your mind, but we, we tried to work real hard and, and to, to be, to be good at what, you know, just working. So, um, and then after after Elder Poland, uh, President Breen said, hey, uh, Elder DePold, I think, replaced me as an assistant. And we were, uh, I had a few extra days where they didn't need me in the mission home. And so the president said, uh, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And so I said, I, I was able, he let me go up to Dundee for my last few days. I think I was there for two or three days, maybe two. And I was with uh, Elder Hout and Elder Fish for my last few days and man those two like couldn't have asked for a better last two days like we had this this challenge my very last day we were going to go gq in dundee for the whole day and our goal was to give away a box of book of mormons books of mormon however you want to say it and i think there's like 40 or 50 of them in a that came in a box and so that was our goal was to give away the whole the whole thing and we didn't do it we but we we came darn close like we were pretty close to to giving away all those books of mormon and and that just cherry on top for me like i i loved getting back that night and just being so worn out from standing and and doing that all day long that i was just that was it i knew that i'd given it all and and it was just a cool experience to be with with fish and how and do that the last little bit. So yeah, and then after that it was it was toast. Um, was able to go back to Pratt's Hill and and report and um, spend the next week with my folks, going around visiting with people. Uh, so just just an incredible experience. I Very love cool. that. Love it. You really. 
you have a, a rock star roster of companions like I did. Le- legends of the SEM. I did. So cool. So one question that we ask to um, those that are older than me in the mission anyway <laughs> is what was your experience like with the transition to preach my gospel? Yeah. So I had just passed off the old discussions with Elder Turvey and uh, <laughs> feeling pretty good about myself. <laughs> and then Preach My Gospel came out. And man, talk about inspired. Like that was that was just a game changer to us. And I probably don't recall all the details on the transition and how all of that worked. But talk about getting out of the law of Moses and going with the, the new law like that. It's just, you were able to teach what the people and what the, the, the people needed to hear. And it was so fluid to where you could teach what they needed to hear. And you didn't have to go through one, two, three, four, five, you know, through all of the discussions that were memorized. And um, it was a cool experience. I was a little disappointed that I just passed off the old ones, but, um, but it was worth it. Totally worth it. I'm sure that the, the purple dragon laid the foundation for what was the higher, right? Yep. Which is awesome. Which, you know, I, that, that book that preach my gospel book was one of my most prized possessions. And right before I went home, I lost it and serious. Um, yeah. Lost it. I couldn't find it anywhere. And, and so I told Trevin, uh, Trevin Howe, I said, man, you keep your eye out for that thing. And if you find it, you send it to me. He found it and he sent it to me. And really? So I have it now. Yeah, nice. he found it. But I, I left Scotland without, without my preach my gospel. I had so many notes and highlights and quotes and just things that I learned. And that was another tender mercy that I had when I was, was out that he, that he found it. So Did he tell you where he found it? I should, I don't even remember. Um, I'm sure it was in some flat somewhere that I probably left it behind when I, you know, maybe it was at his place when I was up seeing him. I don't even remember. Yeah. But yeah, he found it. It was super cool. What a miracle. Well, you've already shared a little bit, but tell us about your favorite memories of President and Sister Vreens. Yeah. Um, Man. The yes man, that was that was pretty cool. I, I, I love that. One of the things that the Vreens did um while I was while we were in Edinburgh is President Vreen's gotta go to mission president seminars outside of Scotland. And um this particular time he he went to I think it was to France. I think he went to to Paris and uh he brought us back mission like ties from Paris and I wear that probably every month still. Uh, it's a red and blue striped tie. You know, our president always wore the striped ties. Or, yeah. Um, he got, he got me, he got me one. And, and I, I, I love that. He, I still wear it. So along with, uh, the mission tie, I'll sport that every once in a while too. Um, he, my, my second Christmas there, I was in, you know, at the mission home and, and he, he brought up and let us watch chariots of fire when we were in the mission home. Like, wow. oh, president. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great um, movie and i i just loved man those two they're just amazing um i before we left you know each of us had an exit interview and and i remember one of the things that he told me 
and he probably told everybody this, but he said, when you have a family, you need to do two things. He said, you need to pray with them on your knees every day. And he said, you need to tell them that you love them every day. And if you do that, your family will stay together and um, you'll, you'll be able to, anyway, that's just what he said. And the other thing that he told me was, did he give you guys a note card when you left? I don't know if you remember this. He gave me, he told me on my plane ride home, he said, I don't know if he gave, so I've got it. This is the note card. This is, this is, uh, you know, he said on your plane ride home, I want you to write down life's goals after your mission and habits that you want to keep from your mission. And I just keep these in my scriptures. Um, so these are from my plane ride home. And that has been something that has kind of kept me just going down, you know, bumpers every once in a while. I'm like, Hey, that was a special experience to me that that whole two years in Scotland was kind of a big deal. And so when I randomly run across this note card in my, in my scriptures, I, which who not many of us use scriptures anymore. Um, but when I do, uh, when I pull them out, it's, it's nice to go back through and read that. So that was a fond memory and very wise counsel from president Breen's that, that I I've loved. Yeah. He really practiced that too, as far as telling us that he loved us. I didn't yeah. really get that. Like, that's not the, that's not the thing that men do in my family that sort of thing, but going on the mission and being like surrounded by men who are telling you they love you. Yeah. Starting with president brains was, was pretty cool. I'm with you. Yeah. I, I can't say that before the mission, I went around saying, I love you to a bunch of guys <laughs> or, yeah. you know, or whatever it, it, it showed he's a giant of a man and, but he wasn't afraid to get emotional with you and, and share that with you. Love it. What about Sister Vreens? Oh, Sister Vreens, man. <laughs> I I love her. Um, she the first memory that comes to mind is she did not let us um use bread to clean our bowl out when it had soup. Do you guys remember this? <laughs> was it uh, was it Tom Brownlow told that story? <laughs> Yeah. That was a no-no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. But, man, she I, I had my birthday in the mission home uh right before I went home. And uh she made me my favorite cake. She made me a German chocolate cake. And um just she's just love. Um, you know, we'll always remember her piggy nose and and that you know, that fun outfit that she would wear and kind of silly, but when it came down to it, it she would do anything for anyone. And so, man, I, I love them both. They're just, they're just incredible. And it was cool to get to know them, uh, on that, on that level. So. Yeah. We're, Jack, Jack and I are both jealous of that. That's why we asked that question. We want to know how you got to know them because <laughs> Jack and I were in the hinterlands doing whatever the heck needed to be done. Well, you guys were up at, edinburgh castle eating tea and crumpets <laughs> oh man so it was fun yeah so when we when we'd come home from like a late zone conference you know on the west coast or up north in inverness or wherever it was um or aberdeen 
President and Sister Greens would sit in the back of the car, and he'd put his head back, and he'd say, uh, what would he say? Uh, Keep it on 100, elders. (laughs) And he'd go to sleep. (laughs) And he'd say, home, James. Let's go. (laughs) And I'm sure when you were with Doug Pullen, Doug said, you got it, 99. You got it. I'll keep it under 100. <laughs> oh man. And his car was pretty fast. Like it was a lot faster than our car. So for Swan. Yep. <laughs> oh, uh, That's so fun. Well, Blake, we've loved having you. Is there any missionaries that are some of your fondest apart from your companions that you've already mentioned? And we'll certainly do our best to get them here. Is there anyone else that you're missing that you'd like to hear from on the podcast in the future? Yeah, man. I I was going to say, I, I've lost touch with a couple of the guys that I served with. I'd love to hear um, from Steve Webb. I haven't seen or talked to him since I've left. And I think we're connected on some social media platform, but never really connected outside of that. Um, Love to hear from Trevin Hout. Like he's 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 awesome. He's a rock star. Um, and then just man, the guys from my group. I I would love to hear from Cade Schmidt. Um, yeah. Uh, Elder Kellogg, Oliver Kellogg. Um, man, they just we all kind of go our separate ways. We you know life. It's funny because life gets busy and you think everything's so important and and. It, it it means a lot to connect. I know, like like you said, I took a little bit to get me on here, and it's just life is busy. But but when you come and you think about how much this influenced all of our lives, two years isn't a very long time. Um, but we're talking about it twenty years later. I'm mean, fifteen twenty years later, and it's just incredible that that we still have that that connection and that. Um, that bond between us all. So yeah, it's yeah, a special I, fraternity to be a part of. Yep. I mean, that's just it. Like we hopped on this call a little over an hour ago and it was like, we just ran into each other at a flat in the mission, you know, yeah. like Crazy. we just we pick it right back up. And, you know, Jack and I have had many a conversations about this and you touched on it early on in your podcast. We don't care where you are in life, whether the gospel is part of your life or not. The bottom line is you were in Scotland with us and we want to hear about your experience. If you absolutely despise your companions, tell us and let it get it <laughs> off your chest a little bit, you know, because we all had a moment like that in our missions where we're just like, how come I can't get along with this guy? You know what I mean? Yeah. But nonetheless, like we are so connected and intertwined despite the fact that on the mission, we felt like we were on this virtual Island with our companion that we were just like next, next, next district meeting, next zone conference, when's interviews coming up, you know, like we all had those moments, but nonetheless, we all were, were set apart to serve the people of Scotland. And as a result, we were all changed in a big way. Now that, you know, here we're sitting, some people are 20 years from starting their mission. And we're all getting there. Uh, It'll be here sooner than we want to. But, you know, it's just amazing. Like, and we're grateful that this is happening now as opposed to when we don't remember all this stuff. And it's just been a huge blessing. So 
I appreciated what you said in inviting those that may not be involved in the church. You know, like you said, we all have the bumpers on our lane and we can get back, but it's a season of life. And right now we just want to focus on the fact that we love each other from the time that we shared together in Scotland as we served the people there. So thank you for saying that. Of course. And, and again, I, I can't say how, how grateful I was like a couple of weeks ago where, you know, a family situation happened and, and I, I could literally just text someone and he was 30 minutes away. It just, it's incredible. And just, man, you said it grateful that, that you guys have put the time and effort into this. And, um, it's nice to, to hear and, and just to reconnect with everybody and see from a distance what, how life has treated them. I mean, it's, man, we were 19 when we were there, 19, 20, 21. We were kids. like it. We didn't. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. But it's crazy. It's crazy to think that more bad stuff didn't happen or we didn't kill someone. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, um, but it, it will forever be something I cherish. So. Yeah, completely agree. Well, we're going to give you a homework assignment and we'd like you to help us get back in touch with some of your past companions. We'd love oh. to talk. We'd love to talk to other Peterson. We have been in touch with Zach Brown. We'd love to have Zach come on the podcast. Help us get in touch with Craig Stratton. I know you haven't found him, but we will. And we'll let you know. You know, we'd love to have Jonathan Morgan on. Um, I know Peter Trakakardis recently had a new little one from his brother-in-law, Chris Mace. He told us that. So, Oh, cool. You know, we'll, we'll get in touch with him eventually. I have talked to Trevin how he's a little bit apprehensive at this point, but who the heck knows when he hears from Blake Farnsworth, hopefully that pushes <laughs> him off, push him a little bit closer to, uh, to participating. But nonetheless, we love you, Blake. Thank you so much for being one of our brothers in Scotland and, uh, forever. That's just, it's part of, a, we're all knit together in, in that amazing, amazing place. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. All right. We'll say goodnight to you, Blake. Love you, brother. Okay. Thanks. Good night. All right. Cheerio.